Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, we are coming fresh off the heels of Forbidden Door. I have got a lot to say about where money in the bank is going, who's coming back, and why as wrestling fans do we want to burn this place down? This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, baby, here we are. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, everybody. What a week. We've got so much to talk about, so much to get into. Hope everybody's doing well. 453, baby. Can you believe it? 400. And 53 episodes every single week, your one-stop shop. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, and it's been a week. We're here to talk about it all. Uh, I did, by the way. Firstly, let's just start out on a positive note. Congratulations to AEW and New Japan putting on the Forbidden Door show that we've been waiting for, bringing on to pay-per-view a show that truly was AEW's top talent, and New Japan's top talent putting on dream matches. We got when 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 rumors of of Daniel Bryan going over to AEW were even starting to bubble. All we could talk about was the idea of a match. Could we get something like Okada versus Bryan Danielson? Imagine on American pay per view in Canada, but technically on American pay per view. Another Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega match. Imagine if we got uh, Naito on the pay per view. MJF. Versus Tanahashi, all kinds. So congratulations. You know, I think this was kind of, and I mean, Sting on the show. CM Punk on the show. Everybody that we were waiting for kind of last year, we got this year. Um, So congratulations to them on that. It's a big week for AEW because not only are they coming off of Forbidden Door, but also Fight Forever comes out this week. The video game, four years in the making. Maybe Hot Dog hooked your boy up with a code. That sounds very specific for a maybe. That's because it's not a maybe. Hot dog hooked your boy up with a code. I have been playing it a little bit. Not enough to give a full in-depth review. Not I've done like two matches, right? CM Punk mopped the floor with Chuck Taylor in a straight exhibition. And then uh, uh, Malachi Black took on Hikaru Shida in a exploding ring 
barbed wire death match, which was great because it had all the theatrics that you wanted it to have in real life and then some. But yeah, I mean, knocking her into the into the barbed wire, explosions going off, the way they have it set up is you don't have to wait 30 minutes. Like in real life, you have to wait 120 seconds. I don't know if you, you could probably adjust the timer. I don't know if you can or not. But at 120 seconds, the timer goes off and there's an explosion. And I guess whoever's closest to the ropes takes the most damage of that explosion. So that's going to be like a really fun multiplayer thing, I think. The idea of you and your buddy getting in there and just throwing each other into exploding barbed wire. It's everything we could have wanted. It definitely plays... Uh, you can You can tell that Kenny Omega's hands are all over this because the matches themselves, like it's designed kind of the way, and, you know, Jukes used to do this. They did it with WrestleMania 2000. They did it with No Mercy, uh, NWO Revenge, the whole thing. One of the things that made those N64 games so great was that exhibition mode was like the funnest thing ever. You didn't need the big story mode, the big career thing. You didn't even necessarily need a goal. It was just a fun game to pick up and play. And it feels like that's really the emphasis on this game is that, you know, pick it up and just play it. Just play a match real quick. It's going to be fun, which I love in a game because, as you know, I don't have all the time in the world to invest hours and hours and hours. So if I could pick up a game and have a good time for 10 or 15 minutes, put it down, and two days later come back and have another 15-minute dip in Lake Sam... I'm going to do it. So fight forever. Congratulations on that. And congratulations to Not Sam Wrestling and all of you that have gotten a chance to listen to it. If you haven't yet, I don't quite know what you're waiting for. You're coming across as very foolish to me. But the Matt Cardona interview we dropped on Wednesday in audio on the podcast feed and, of course, on the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel is up for everybody to watch. Everybody that's watched it has said very kind things, so I really appreciate that. If you haven't yet seen the interview, make sure that you check out the interview. Uh, it was a very positive interview, I found, right? I posted a clip uh, of Cardona talking about how much he puts into it, not just the investment from a time perspective and from a mental perspective, but also from a financial expect, uh, perspective. You know, putting that money that he's earning back in to what he's giving to fans so that fans get that much more out of it so that the next time he's in town, they go back to see him. It's this cyclical thing. It's the energy. Professional wrestling works on this energy. If a, if a superstar puts energy into a performance that then transfers onto the fan, the fan then puts that energy back into coming to the show next time, and this cycle exists that allows this thing to keep going. It's a similar energy to the energy that John Cena was talking about with Brock Lesnar, that the, the idea of Brock Lesnar beating the streak is so that The Undertaker transfers that energy to Brock Lesnar, so that Brock Lesnar can then transfer that energy to the next superstar, right? That's why John Cena, after the he beats the streak, is like, no, 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 let's not blow this because we're still in the collecting energy phase of this. Let's not blow this. Let's have you suplex city me. Up and down, you and Stone Cold were right at whatever that amazing dinner was that you were at. And let's keep the energy going. And hopefully that energy just keeps rotating and rotating and rotating. And that's why. And we'll talk about uh, the way you uh, uh, wrestling storylines and stuff as we go. But that's why so much of, of the conversations that I have in my head about where I want stories to go are, and then what, and then what, and then what. 
because professional wrestling, WWE, AEW, AEW is this story that started whatever it was four years ago and has just gone consistently. WWE is this story that you could argue started in the 1920s, but on paper, what, 1966 with the first WWF champion and has just kept going. How do you keep that energy moving? And, 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 and I think that that really is the fascinating thing about this art form. But, you know, I mean, it, 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 it's such an interesting week to me because as I look at what goes on, and again, this is just what goes, not again, I haven't said it yet, but this is just what goes on uh, on the internet. But it is, I think, I think when people poo-poo the internet audience in 2023, that's kind of crazy, right? Ultimately, as I've said, the Bible of whatever wrestling show you watch is their television show. That's the story that you're watching. And ultimately, whether or not somebody is over, whether or not somebody is successful, will always simply be about what the reaction is in the building that they're in. But that said, the feedback that you get on the internet is a pretty good indicator of where things may be going. It's also a good indicator of how a wave of influence can be sweeping over. We talk about energy. When Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble in Philadelphia and got booed, you go, well, that's okay. That's just Philadelphia. No, 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 no. That's just Philadelphia, but it's on pay-per-view that everybody's watching. So wrestling fans go, oh, oh, we really don't like, I thought I kind of felt a vibe, but we really don't like Roman. Okay, I'm going to boo him when I go to the arena. And enough people do that, and it starts to cycle and cycle and cycle. The same thing can be said, even if you're not one of these vocal Twitter guys, you're going to find out, oh, Twitter says that CM Punk is doing this or CM Punk is doing that. I'm not on Twitter, but that's just, that's the vibe on the internet. That's going to influence now into the arena. So even the people that aren't necessarily tweeting every single day or reading the Wrestling Observer or hardcore obsessed with all this, they're going to know what's going on if the story's big enough. That, that reaction doesn't just exist in a vacuum. But there's something about, and I don't know, I can't really say if it's like this for other fan bases, but there is something inherently destructive about a, a portion of pro wrestling fans, especially as they get super hardcore. Um, and, and, I, and maybe it has to do with a, a destruction on the level of of when you like an independent band and that band goes mainstream, like when Metallica cut their hair and all the Metallica fans got very, very destructive towards Metallica. Maybe it's just a human nature thing. It might not be specific to pro wrestling, but I'm just watching this week and both with AEW and WWE, there was almost a glee in people talking about these unsubstantiated reports that everything's going to hell in a handbasket. If you look at every metric, right? Like on one end, AEW comes back with CM Punk. One of the biggest stars in wrestling is back on TV, wrestling regularly, and they debut a Saturday night show that does great numbers. They put on a pay-per-view with all the biggest stars in two different organizations internationally. All good things. When you look at what's happening in WWE, they can't stop selling out buildings. They're doing crazy merch numbers. Their TV ratings are fantastic. Storytelling-wise, they're doing incredible. They've got multiple stories on multiple television shows that are gaining traction. 
The bloodline is the hottest thing in wrestling since God knows when. The Judgment Day is over here killing it. Cody is still maintaining everything that Cody's got to be maintaining. And everyone else. Everything's great right now. As wrestling fans, we really should just be sitting there going, look at us. This is paradise on earth. But instead, maybe we've seen it too many times. We're waiting for the other shoe to drop first. Uh, I don't know which happened first. On the WWE side, it was Vince is involved. Vince is back. And you see all these opinions. And it's not just about the report, right? Because the Vince report, I don't know if it came from Fightful or Meltzer or whoever it came from. It's more the people that like get that and then they make their YouTube or they make their tweet or they make their whatever about it. And, and, and you just start having these opinions, right? And instead of watching a show going, that was at least a decent show. Maybe not the best show I've ever seen, right? Was this week's Raw better than last week's Raw? No, last week's Raw was fantastic. This week's Raw was okay. But am I going to be sitting there and going like, okay, that's it. It's because Vince is back. He's changed everything. We had paradise when Hunter was here, and now Vince is back, and it's all over. Every And they were saying, everybody got Vince. And then it got even worse. It got even worse when the reports came out that on Friday night SmackDown, SmackDown got Vinced too. Oh, man, there were last-minute changes. And you know who made them? Vince McMahon. And you're going, oh, my God. Everything that was so good is now going to be so bad. This is terrible news. This is awful. And then on the other side of the fence, AEW, reports start coming out. And they go, with CM Punk back in AEW, after the ESPN interview that he did, which, I mean, was a nothing burger. It was his side of the story. It was really not a scandalous interview at all. In fact, CM Punk took some ownership of what happened. And the promo that he cut on Dynamite, on Collision, which was like, again, slightly referential to some of what's been going on to, in a way that it had to be. Because like I said, it's not just Twitter people. Everyone watching is aware of where he's been. Once CM Punk showed up on Dynamite, he did a run-in on Dynamite. We saw him. He ran to the ring. And he said, I'm a collision guy. And you know what that did? It created a locker room in AEW that's more divisive than ever. So now, as fans, we're arguing either, can WWE survive with Vince making script changes? Or can AEW survive with CM Punk creating the single most divisive locker room in the history of wrestling. It's like a political rally there. And you're not sitting there thinking about the fact that like your favorite era, the Attitude Era, had your main event stars getting thrown out of the building because they were tearing, literally tearing hair out of each other's skulls. You're not thinking, you know, you're just going, okay, yeah. No, CM Punk has no place in wrestling. Or these guys are too soft. Or or, or Vince, is he shouldn't be. He's making these script changes. Everybody's unhappy again. This is going to be, and nobody's stopping to go, Hey, you know that thing that you keep uh, uh, talking about? How do you know? You know, when we talk about these wrestling stories, nobody goes, well, how do you know? Is somebody mad that CM Punk is back? Possibly. Could there have been a guy that said to one other guy, oh, yeah, it's terrible over there. Have you ever been to work? Have you ever worked at a place where there's a guy who, who, who gets annoyed a lot 
and he tells you something's going, oh, yeah, no, everything's terrible here because of this, because of that. And you realize that it's just that guy, right? Just because that guy's saying it, no matter how much he feels it, and even if what he's saying are like half-truths, he's not actually indicative of the entire population. He's just speaking from his perspective, but in a way that it makes it seem like it's bigger than it actually is. What if it isn't? Like, what if, what if, regardless of script changes and divisiveness, what if wrestling between two nationally televised, huge arena touring promotions located in North America. New Japan showing up on pay-per-view. The Indies going all across the world. What if wrestling is actually in an extremely healthy place? What if the fact that so many of us are able to make money just discussing the idea of script changes and divisiveness, what if that actually means that wrestling is in an extremely healthy place? And what if, what if, regardless of what so-and-so said on a promo or regardless of what so-and-so changed on a script, this is just a theory, because I don't know. But what if I have this working theory that there are a lot of people in the industry that are going, man, this is great. I'm creatively fulfilled to a higher extent than I have been in the past, and I'm making a ton of money to provide for my family. I'm so happy with where wrestling is today. I'm just saying it's possible. I know it's not as fun. I know that it's not as destructive, but it's possible that that's going on too. Now, when we talk about CM Punk, of course, we talk about uh, the, the evolution of Collision. Collision not coming from Chicago this week. Debut episode of Collision. CM Punk is, is, is met with a ticker tape parade. Same thing happened when he showed up on Dynamite. Everybody's so thrilled to see him. Well, of course, he's Chicago-made. They were in Chicago, Illinois. He shows up in Canada. And Bizarro Land does what Bizarro Land does. He gets booed. CM Punk this week on Collision came out only at the end. No promo. You know, it was... And by the way, there were some great moments on Collision again. I loved the Miro promo, to tell you the truth. It was the first time since he got to AEW where Miro explained his character. And I was actually like, okay, I like that. When he denounced his God and his wife because he just walks alone and is just a destroyer. I'm like, yeah, that's great, actually. I like that version of Miro. I'm, I'm down. Scorpio Sky, I think the rebuilding of Scorpio Sky is a good thing. I love the story that we're seeing with Andrade and, uh, and the Malachi Black gang. But CM Punk comes out at the end for the big eight-man tag. It's the uh, Bullet Club and the Guns versus FTR, Ricky Starks, and CM Punk. I love the FTR, CM Punk, Ricky Starks crew. That feels like a team handpicked by Punk. Uh... I don't know how you don't cheer for any of those guys, but a couple of interesting things. Number one, interesting that the Bullet Club got the big win. You know, didn't pin Punk, obviously. I wouldn't have, if they had pinned Punk, I'd say that's an asinine decision to make. But I kind of enjoyed that the Bullet Club got the victory because, again, what we talked about at WrestleMania with Cody, it 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 starts to build this thing where it's not all going to be a bed of roses for CM Punk, but I think the most noteworthy thing, the thing that has everybody talking, is the fact that when he came to the ring, he was booed a lot. Like, and it wasn't 
it wasn't like a Cena boo, right? People compare it to what was happening with Cena. But Cena got yabooed, right? Like there were there were times when, I mean, look, there were times when Cena got booed because people hated him. That's 100% true. But there were also times when Cena got booed because it was the thing to do. And it kind of was that wave, right? Like in the beginning, they cheered him. Then they started to boo him because they got tired of him. Then they started to boo him because it was the thing to do. There was a long period of time where people, I think, did develop this respect for Cena that we weren't able to be public about until Cena left and then came back. But you booed him because it was the thing to do. That's why, like, when he returned at the Rumble in Madison Square Garden, you hear, and you hear, yeah, boo, because you forgot. I can't believe Cena's back. Oh, wait, I forgot. We don't like Cena. Um, This one was an angry boo. It was a passionate boo. Passionate cheer, but also very passionate, angry boo. And it did feel like the boos were what grew throughout the match instead of the cheers. Very interesting in Montreal. Or I don't know if they were in Montreal, but very interesting in Canada because CM Punk has always been such an advocate for Bret the Hitman Hart. You'd think that he would have won over Canada by now. I mean, who is more beloved in Canada than Bret the Hitman Hart? I would say no one. But it's not enough. It's not enough because Canada is a very polite society. They're very polite in Canada. A lot of lumberjacks, but a lot of people who are nice to each other. CM Punk's not that nice. He takes shots, drops pipe bombs, as it were, and Canada's not about that. So they booed him. Um, and he, you can make whatever you're going to make of CM Punk getting booed. It's certainly not a bad thing. First of all, there's nothing that says CM Punk has to be a babyface. Nothing. CM Punk has successfully, in his career, been a babyface and a heel. CM Punk can be a good guy or a bad guy and have... Great success, as the incredible Borat once said. But I think that the thing that you have to take away from CM Punk getting booed is not the fact that, oh, yeah, they booed him. Oh, yeah, they're tired of, they're not tired of him. Because the, the, the sheer volume, the sound that was made when CM Punk walked to the ring, when those, the sound that that audience made was so much different than the sound it made for anything else on the show. That answers every question about CM Punk that anybody has. The sound that comes out of the audience when CM Punk walks out. Just talked about it at the top of the show. The story on TV is the Bible, and the tell on whether or not it's working is the sound that comes from the audience in the arena and there couldn't have been a louder noise for CM Punk coming out. Some people love that guy. Some people hate that guy. Everyone cares. The worst thing you can have in wrestling is who cares. That's what you're trying to avoid. I, I, I have to imagine that when CM Punk came to the ring, you just heard that volume of sound. It had to be music to his ears. He probably enjoyed it more than he enjoyed his own music. More than he enjoyed Cult of Personality, he enjoyed the volume that Canada was giving him. And that's what you have to maintain, is that volume. And I think as, as whatever story CM Punk is going to tell is told, that's got to be the focus, is keeping that volume, whether it's Cheers, 
whether it's booze, it doesn't matter. And he's fully capable of it. When you go back through AEW's storylines, the one that comes up all the time, you know, you go through that original storyline with the elite and Adam Page that I think was, I think, part of the foundation of AEW. I think that that was, that storyline was in the works from the beginning of the promotion. But beyond that, I think CM Punk versus MJF is one of the very first stories to really pop up. So, yeah, really, really interesting to see, but also I think completely clarifies what the attraction to CM Punk is, and that's that he has this connection. He connects, and that was proven on Collision. Um, this Saturday is Money in the Bank, and I feel like this Money in the Bank pay-per-view is probably bigger than it has been in a very long time. The Money in the Bank pay-per-view has been a big pay-per-view before. 2011's Money in the Bank pay-per-view is as, is as big a pay-per-view as you could possibly have. It's on a very short list of some of my favorite moments ever. But this year's Money in the Bank pay-per-view is huge for a few reasons. Number, reasons. Number one, it's coming from the UK. It's not a UK special. It's a, no, we're taking one of our annual events and we're bringing it to the UK so we can hear that crowd. And I can't wait, both on SmackDown, I don't think Pretty Deadly wins the tag championship, unfortunately. I mean, I think Sammy and KO are great, but I also think everybody knows, I would hope by now, you guys know what a fan I am of Pretty Deadly. But starting on Friday, and I, 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 I am really hoping we get that same vibe that we got in Puerto Rico where SmackDown before Backlash, you were like, oh, like it made you excited for the pay-per-view because you heard the audience. And then when you got to the pay-per-view, you weren't disappointed. That's what I'm expecting in terms of the audience for Money in the Bank uh, this weekend, that we get a taste of it on Friday night. And then on Saturday, boy, oh boy, on Saturday, do we get it. So before we get into it, right, because the main event here in terms of this podcast, is going to be the discussion of the ladder match. The men's ladder match, I think, is the is the hottest discussion that we could have. But uh, let's start with the women's ladder match, huh? Women's ladder match is uh, Zelina Vega versus Becky Lynch versus Zoe Stark versus Bailey versus Io Sky versus Trish. Bailey was set to put her uh, money in the bank spot on the line against Shotzi on SmackDown this week. It didn't happen because... As you heard earlier, it got vinced. But, reportedly, but... <laughs> Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. 
and Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Uh, we've got these six competitors. We've got Trish in the match. Um, I will tell you, I'm probably going with people here. I think uh, uh, EO Sky is certainly the favorite to win. I think EO Sky is the fan favorite to win. Uh, my initial thought, was that it would be great to have Zoe Stark win this thing um, because the idea of that Zoe Stark, I feel like if Zoe Stark had the briefcase, it would uh, up the magnitude of the rivalry that she's got with Becky Lynch. I still don't see it as such a terrible thing, but also in the last few weeks, uh, I think Zoe Stark's got all the potential in the world to be like this giant star of the women's division. I almost think that she's got to cook a little longer. I, I, not that I want to see this uh, rivalry with Becky cease. I want this rivalry with Becky to keep going. But with both the men's and the women's ladder matches, I want the winners to eventually cash in and become champion. I think that it's essential. We've got too many failed cash-ins already. I say this every year, but I want the winners. That percentage has to be high for these ladder matches to count at all. I think Zoe Stark still has a little bit more time to cook before she's really ready to go all the way. Because the eventuality would have to be that Zoe Stark cashes in, Zoe Stark becomes the women's champion, and then you have Becky versus Zoe for the title. But we've got solid champions, right? Zoe's on Raw. So the idea of Zoe beating Rhea Ripley, you would never want to see that. And then over on SmackDown, I mean, I guess you could have Zoe beat Asuka, but then what, Becky is going to come over from Raw to SmackDown? It doesn't make any sense. In order for it to pan out, Becky's a Raw star, Zoe's a Raw star. Zoe would have to beat Rhea Ripley. I don't think anybody wants to see Zoe beat Rhea Ripley, and therefore, I don't see Zoe as the pick. Also, with Trish involved in the match, I feel like you can do enough with Becky, Zoe, and Trish to keep that story going without having any of them actually, excuse me, actually win the briefcase. I think that that that's what it's got to be, right? Coming out of this match, you got, th you got three stories in this match. Becky's got to overcome Zoe and Trish. Zelina Vega is the little engine that could coming off of Backlash. And is this the moment that EO Sky has had enough of Bailey? I think that's what it comes down to. I think that Zelina uh, will have a great performance in this match, but I don't think she wins. People want to see EO Sky win. This is the match that you give to those people. It's a perfect scenario for... I don't think the split has to happen, by the way, at this show. There's two things you could do. You could either have the split happen where Bailey is expecting EO to allow her to win, and EO doesn't do that and gets the briefcase for herself, you know, letting people cheer and saying, good for you, EO, for sticking up for yourself. Or EO wins and Bailey tries to kind of be controlling of the whole thing. 
and eventually EO has enough. But with this women's match, I just think that the meat on the bone is EO winning the briefcase. I also think coming off of Backlash, not only did you have fans booing Bianca Belair, but you had fans outrageously cheering EO Sky. EO is a big time, good guy, babyface star. EO versus Asuka is a great match. And then Bailey trying to get the title from EO is a great match. I think EO Sky's got to be your winner there. Uh, you got Ronda and Shayna versus Liv and Raquel. I think uh, Ronda and Shayna uh, retain. And then, every, I mean, everything else, right? Those are the, the, the women's uh, ladder match is going to be huge. Ronda and Shayna is, is I think, a, a given, but it's good to see Liv and Raquel get that spot on this big pay-per-view. And everything else is a huge match. I think Cody versus Dom is one of the funnest things you could have on this show. It's going to give Rhea a reason to be there, which could have some kind of interaction with the briefcase winner. But also interesting to note that there is no women's championship match on this show. Therefore, we may actually get a women's Money in the Bank briefcase winner that actually holds on to the briefcase. We may actually have a female that gets to hold on to the briefcase for a, a, a considerable amount of time. Unless somebody comes in in this Cody Dom match, but I don't see that happening because why would you why would you take the 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 heat away from Cody? This is perfect. I mean, Cody as the perfect good guy, Dom as the perfect bad guy, and it really does tell you where WWE is at. Dom as the bad guy is going to get booed out of the building. Cody as the good guy is going to get cheered and put on a pedestal like nobody ever has. It'll be it's perfect. It's just a a perfect meeting with Cody getting a nice good guy victory on pay-per-view that's definitive and and starts to rebuild. Because think about it, right? Coming from WrestleMania, he lost at WrestleMania. He squeaked one by Brock at Backlash. He lost at Night of Champions. So now he gets to go in there with a guy who's getting booed uh, like crazy and get a definitive victory so we can all remember that Cody is the man Perfect timing, perfect booking. Seth versus uh, Finn Balor for the World Heavyweight Championship. This is going to be a classic. This is going to be one of those matches that both Seth and Finn go, let's remind them. Let's remind them who we are. Let's remind them as they're looking at all these other people and picking out who the next star is going to be and who they want. Let's remind them that we are the best two on this roster. And I think that's what you're going to get. The Judgment Day is going to be changed after Money in the Bank. I don't know if that's a direct result at the show or if that's something that comes directly after. I would have to imagine you're headed to some kind... I, Finn Balor is not going to be a part of the Judgment Day, I don't think, going forward, which is a shame because you almost look at the Judgment Day and you go, it's working, don't mess with it. But something's going on with Finn Balor and J.D. McDonough Damian Priest and Finn Balor are not on the same page. Something's got to give. I don't know if you're going to completely destruct the Judgment Day and just keep Rhea and Dom together as a unit because that really is the the cornerstone of it. But Judgment Day is Judgment Day is over. So I I almost don't want to see it get messed with, but you have to believe it's going to get messed with. 
I think Seth Rollins walks out as the champion. You've got a classic match. I don't think anything anybody's cashing in on Seth at the pay-per-view itself. Seth's only been champion since Night of Champions. So I I, I can't imagine that they're going to take the title off Seth immediately. I've seen some people propose, well, what if Damian Priest were to win the briefcase, Balor beats Seth, and then Damian cashes in on Balor. That would be a totally fun moment. But the idea of Seth's reign ending one month into it completely takes the wind out of Seth's sails. Completely. So I don't see that being a big twist here. Uh, the Usos versus Roman and Solo is this mega match. I, I think this is going to main event the pay-per-view. I think going into the pay-per-view, it'll be even hotter because you've got Roman on SmackDown. This week on SmackDown, you had the Usos out there doing a promo, getting cheered like crazy. People love the good guys. Solo's getting booed. Roman's going to get booed. It's going to be fantastic, you know? I think, um, you know, it's it's tough to imagine. Roman and Solo lost at the last pay-per-view. It's tough to imagine they're going to lose at this one, too. I've got to believe that Roman and Solo are going to win this match. And I've got to believe that this match is the catalyst that leads to Jay versus Roman. Maybe maybe they tie up Jay and injure Jimmy. Maybe Jay gets handcuffed to the ring and, and they beat Jimmy down so badly that it takes him out of action again. And then Jay goes, well, you remember the last time Jimmy was injured, what happened? This is a different level main event Jay Uso. And we head into SummerSlam with Roman versus Jay. Either way, I think that's what we're doing. Going to SummerSlam with Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso for the undisputed WWE Championship, Universal Championship. That's the vision that I have for SummerSlam. And maybe the best way to get there would be the Usos fight hard. Roman pins Jimmy. Maybe at one point Jay has the match won. Solo breaks it up, Roman breaks it up, whoever. While Jay is distracted or Jay gets handcuffed to the ropes or something happens to Jay, Roman pins Jimmy. And then they beat Jimmy down unmercifully. And they leave Jay by himself. But this time when Jay's backed into a corner, and maybe they say it, maybe this is what the, the thing is, right? That that they beat Jimmy down so bad and they throw him out. And then Roman unhooks Jay from the ropes. And he goes, I told you, dog. I told you, Oos. You're ready to be the next tribal chief. Come back in. Let me groom you. Let me groom you. Come back in. Let me groom you. And it looks like Jay realizes that he's alone again. You know Jay doesn't do well when he's alone. Jimmy's gone, Oos. Jimmy's not coming back. Come back. Come back home. Come back to the family. Come back to the bloodline. And that's when Jay takes them out. And we end the pay-per-view on Jay taking out Roman Reigns and saying, I don't need you anymore. And we build a Roman versus Jay, which is the perfect bookend of this whole bloodline story. I'm here for it. Now, what we didn't talk about as we're bringing on, going over this whole pay-per-view 
is the men's money in the bank match. L.A. Knight, yeah, got the whole U.K. saying L.A. Knight, yeah, versus Ricochet, versus Nakamura, versus Santos Escobar, versus Butch, versus Damian Priest, versus the seventh man, Logan Paul. Now, first thing I want to say is, I don't know what type of cruel prank it is that the WWE is making poor Santos Escobar out to be the babyface to LA Knight's heel. Can you imagine? This shows you how great Santos is, that he can even survive in these situations. Every time that robot voice comes on, LA Knight, the fans go crazy. Yes, he's here. They're saying his name with him. There's not one boo to be heard when this guy comes out. Not one. And if you go on the internet and you say anything bad about L.A. Knight, you'll get roasted. But we still got to act like he's a villain? And poor Santos Escobar has to come out and go, don't worry, fans, I know what you want. I'm here to beat down the guy that you just cheered. That's not a fair position to put Santos in. That's not fair. So the question here is, is L.A. Knight Mr. Money in the Bank? Vegas gambling odds have L.A. Knight as the favorite to win this briefcase. For months, people have been saying he's the guy. When you look at the clip that I put out two months ago saying Logan Paul was going to be in this match and Logan Paul was going to win this thing. Two months ago, I put that out. Every comment on it says, yeah, they all say L.A. Knight because everybody believes that L.A. Knight is the next big thing. And I'm not saying he's not. But what next? You're not going to like this. You're going to be mad at me. But that's okay. I don't mind if you're mad at me because we can discuss it. It's like how I talk to my children. That's how I talk to you guys. I want you to picture this. An incredible, an incredible Money in the Bank match. Santos doing things you've never seen him do before. I saw him in a ladder match at Madison Square Garden. He was great. Butch going absolutely crazy. Shinsuke Nakamura being the king of strong style. Damian Priest doing power moves the like of which you didn't know were possible. Ricochet doing so many flips throughout this thing. At one point, Logan Paul and Ricochet reenact the Royal Rumble spot, but instead of going rope to rope, they go ladder to ladder. It is absolutely incredible. And finally, at the climax of this night, a ladder stands in the center of the ring. Every superstar in this match has been laid out. L.A. Knight gets up and he looks up and he looks right into the audience. The U.K. goes nuts. <sighs> We're at home going, oh, my God, it's going to happen. It's really going to happen. L.A. Knight starts climbing the ladder. There's not a person in sight. L.A. Knight reaches up for the briefcase. He's holding the briefcase. They go farther than they've ever gone. They actually have L.A. Knight holding the hook. He squeezes the hook to unhook that briefcase. And out of nowhere, Logan Paul dives from the top rope onto the ladder Forearm first into L.A. Knight's chest. It sends him flying, and Logan Paul is able to pull down the briefcase that L.A. Knight 
just had in his hands. Logan Paul is Mr. Money in the Bank. There is no part of me that believes that anybody other than Logan Paul should win this Money in the Bank ladder match. Logan Paul has proven people wrong every single step of the way in WWE. Logan Paul shows up. We didn't want him here. We did not want him here. And then he goes to WrestleMania in a tag match with The Miz against the Mysterios. And he starts pulling off all this stuff. He pulls off this leapfrog that we're like, oh, the timing is perfect on this thing. This frog splash, that's fantastic. The Three Amigos is perfect, perfect. We go, oh, wow, in a tag match scenario, Logan Paul is so much better than we thought he was. Then he goes on to SummerSlam, has a singles match with The Miz, much better than it should have been. Then WWE does the unthinkable. Only two matches in, they go, well, yeah, he's going to have a match with Roman Reigns. Logan Paul gets a shot at the Tribal Chief, and it's Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns. And everybody after the match goes, holy Toledo, that match was so much better than it had any right to be. It was absolutely incredible. It was one of the really great Roman Reigns title defenses of his entire three-year run. Now Logan goes to WrestleMania a year removed from his tag match. And not only is he in a singles match, but he's riding down from the ceiling. And there ain't no ceiling. It's an open-air stadium. And he's got a bottle of Prime coming to the ring with him. KSI's dressed up. He's doing table dives. He has a hell of a match with Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins ends up winning, but Logan Paul comes off like a WrestleMania superstar. So now, and don't forget about the Royal Rumble match and that spot with Ricochet that I just talked about. So now that Logan Paul has proven that he can do all of this stuff, he's also lost to Roman Reigns, lost the Royal Rumble match, and lost to Seth Rollins. So what do we have Logan Paul here to do? We already know now that he's good. Is the reason that Logan Paul is here to lose big matches? Because I don't personally understand the logic in bringing in an outsider who doesn't have a combat sports background. You're not bringing in Chuck Liddell to make your stars look better. God bless Logan Paul. But Roman Reigns saying, by the way, I beat Logan Paul does not make Roman Reigns seem tougher to wrestling fans. Seth Rollins saying, by the way, I beat Logan Paul. There's a big deal. When Seth Rollins says, I beat Finn Balor, that's amazing. If Seth Rollins can have another match with Cody Rhodes and beats him, uh, Seth Rollins beat Cody Rhodes, that's amazing. If I go, yeah, and he beat Logan Paul too, okay. So he beat a YouTuber, who cares? Regardless of the athleticism that we've seen. So are we bringing in celebrities now to just lose big matches? I don't think so. I think what we've got with Logan Paul is a villain who we all know the WWE is willing to put the world title on. Especially now that there's two world championships and it ain't no, he's going to beat Gunther. We all know he's not beating Roman. First of all, there will be that fear, right? In the very back of your mind. Oh no, what if they haven't beat Roman? But realistically, you go, every time you see Seth defend that title, you go, I hope they're not bringing Logan Paul out. I hope they're not going to put this title on Logan Paul. That can be a good energy for a villain like Logan Paul, especially if he eventually cashes in successfully. Every time he does the impulsive podcast, there's a big green briefcase behind him that says money in the bank. Everything he does something mainstream now, 
He's got that big money in the bank briefcase with him. Every time he cuts a promo, it doesn't matter what his win-loss record is because at any moment, he says he's got the championship and it'll make people hate him. Now, you're not going to end the show with the Money in the Bank match, right? You're going to end the show with the Usos. And if you end the show, even with Roman winning, if you end the show with Jay Uso looking heroic, you still leave happy. And I know, I know. You're saying the fans, what about LA Knight? What about my guy, LA Knight? Well, the reason why for me, in my opinion, LA Knight should not in any way, shape, or form win the Money in the Bank briefcase is because... L.A. Knight needs to stop being a heel yesterday. L.A. Knight needs to just be a good guy. WWE is in this great place that they haven't always been in, where the good guys get cheered and the bad guys get booed. Rey Mysterio gets cheered. Dominic Mysterio gets booed. Cody gets cheered. Brock Lesnar gets booed. We will get to the pay-per-view. Seth Rollins will be cheered. Finn Balor will be booed. Roman Reigns will be booed. The Usos will be cheered. And here comes LA Knight. Yay! Yay! What are you doing? Trust me when I tell you, you ain't going to get people to boo him. I don't care who his opponent is. You are not going to get people to boo LA Knight. Yeah, they're going to cheer him. People are happy to see that guy. It doesn't matter what you think of him individually. If you are watching this right now going like, I don't know about this LA Knight. It doesn't matter whether you know about him or not. What you do know is what you hear in your ears when he walks to the ring, and it's this, woo, yay, that's it. He says, hey, fans, say this. They say it. That's a good guy. You've got a baby face in L.A. Knight. What is that thing that's going to make L.A. Knight a baby face? Losing the briefcase. What was the thing that turned things around for Daniel Bryan in WWE. Intentionally or not, it was when Sheamus beat him in 11 seconds. It's not what people wanted. From that point on, Bryan couldn't go anywhere without being cheered. And eventually you just had to make the turn. LA Knight can't win the briefcase and he's like, now that I've accomplished even more, I'm a good guy. And that can't happen. And it doesn't even work, right? His whole thing is that he's egotistical. If he's actually got this briefcase to back it up now, no, 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 no. Part of the appeal of LA Knight is that WWE doesn't get it, quote unquote, right? The, that, that perception. I can't believe they're not going further with this guy. That's part of the appeal of who LA Knight is. When you hear him doing interviews, he talks about the, the prejudice against his age. He talks about the fact that he tried to get to WWE so many times and failed. He talks about the fact that he lived in his car. He talks about the fact that he's been at this thing for like 20 years and he's finally gotten here and people still don't see his potential. But we do as fans. So how do you capitalize on that? You bring him all the way there to the point that you think you're going to get it. And then you take it away. So now it's like a riot when he comes out. Now it's like, no, we're not cheering for anybody except LA Knight. And you get him away from Santos Escobar. 
and you haven't started grudge with who? When is your next stadium show? SummerSlam, the next pay-per-view, Ford Field, Detroit, Logan Paul. How do you get to a place where Logan Paul can have a giant pay-per-view match? I mean, where, where LA Knight can have a giant pay-per-view match? Because I'm telling you right now, if LA Knight wins the briefcase, you are risking a Damian Sandow situation. And God bless Damian Sandow. That's the last thing you want. Damian Sandow won that briefcase. Nobody thought he would do it. And all he did was deliver. All he did was get the people excited. All he did was make people imagine, what if, what if Damian Sandow actually wins? He stayed in character the whole time. He customized the briefcase just for him. And then boom, what did he do? Lost. He cashed in unsuccessfully. Go back in the history of Money in the Bank. Winning the briefcase is never the moment. Winning the briefcase is the beginning of the story. The cash-in is the moment. When Dolph Ziggler won the briefcase, that's not the moment. When Dolph Ziggler cashed in, that's the moment. When CM Punk cashed in, that's the moment. When Rob Van Dam announced he was cashing in at one night stand, that's the moment. It's never winning the briefcase. It's the cash-in. Winning the briefcase is the beginning of the story. It's leading you to the climax. It's not the climax. And so LA Knight winning the briefcase would be fun for Saturday. But if that doesn't pay off, and I don't have the story blocks in place for it to pay off, then it's going to be worse. I mean, quite frankly, if you look at people who have cashed in unsuccessfully, it does nothing for them. I would argue for Austin Theory, even cashing in for the United States Championship. It didn't do that much for him. I, I got the title. But here we are a year later and we're like, oh yeah, he had some good moments while he had the briefcase, but once it was over, it was over. You don't want that to happen to LA Knight. So if Logan Paul has the briefcase and we all hate him, L.A. Knight comes out and talks about being screwed by Logan Paul. Maybe L.A. Knight gets that microphone and he says, because some people in suits in the back have more faith in a vlogger than L.A. Knight to lead this company. What if he just says that? What if L.A. Knight just said that? Yeah. Everybody would just go nuts. They'd love him for it. They'd love him. If he just said what was on everybody's mind coming off of that. And then where do you go? You go to SummerSlam and you do LA Knight versus Logan Paul. Logan Paul's got the briefcase, dude. Logan Paul doesn't have to win matches if he's got the briefcase. LA Knight's not Seth Rollins. LA Knight's not Roman Reigns. Not yet anyway. But I'll tell you what would be bigger for LA Knight than winning the briefcase. Getting the Logan Paul match at SummerSlam and then beating Logan Paul. That's what you do with LA Knight. You take the L this weekend. You suck up the pain that you'll have in your gut. And you have faith that on Friday night, he calls out the powers that be for thinking that Logan Paul was a better choice than he was. And then you build to a Logan Paul versus LA Knight match at SummerSlam. And then LA Knight beats Logan Paul. And then after SummerSlam, you've got... LA Knight skyrocketing over in one direction. 
And you've got Logan Paul concentrating on just, Logan Paul can disappear and just letting everybody know I can come in whenever I want. I've got the briefcase. I'm not even thinking about that loss to LA Knight. It doesn't matter to me, right? I've got the briefcase. I'm gonna come in and beat Seth Rollins whenever I want to. And LA Knight starts building and building and building. That to me is what you do with LA Knight and Logan Paul and the Money in the Bank briefcase. Now, in terms of what you do with Seth Rollins, speaking of heel turns, what I would love to see, because there's rumors floating that there's going to be a big return at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, right? I think that we're due for a Drew McIntyre return. I think that Drew coming back at Money in the Bank is only fitting, right? It's the UK. But... I think we need a new Drew McIntyre. I think if there is anything that we've learned from Drew's last run coming off of the pandemic, because during the, keep it, 2020, Drew McIntyre is the biggest baby face in the company by a mile. Drew McIntyre would have gone to WrestleMania in a stadium full of people, beaten Brock Lesnar, and gotten the ovation of a lifetime. Instead, he had to do it in an empty warehouse with the fans still on the ceiling. And they're like, well, what if he beat the big show too? Cool, he's still in an empty warehouse with the fan on the ceiling. You know whose WrestleMania moment they will never replay? Drew's. Why? Mainly because the fan in the ceiling. It's crazy. Drew got robbed of that. And then a year later, they finally have WrestleMania in front of an audience again. And Lashley beats him. And Drew has never been able to recover since then. He's been putting on amazing matches. This year at WrestleMania, his match was great. But he's not even in the discussion of people anymore. He didn't get his moment with Roman. You know, I, I, I think that, that we've gone as far as we can with the Drew that won the 2020 Royal Rumble. I think that Drew should come out. I think Seth Rollins should beat Finn Balor at the pay-per-view. I think that the seeds of, of, of discontent within the Judgment Day can be based around that loss and that story can be told on Monday Night Raw. I think Drew McIntyre comes out at the end of that match and claymores Seth Rollins in front of everybody. I think that Drew should take the very real story of the fact that his run was taken from him he was supposed to be the guy. And it was taken from him, never to be returned. And now everybody turns around and Seth Rollins is finally getting what he deserves. Seth Rollins is the guy. Seth Rollins is the best on the roster. Well, where'd my moment go? What about what I was promised? What happened to that? Every great villain, their motives have to be true. Every great villain has to come from that perspective of truth. Drew McIntyre needs to come back as a villain, but from a very honest perspective, where it's like, we don't love what he's saying, and we hate what he did to Seth Rollins, but he ain't wrong. He never got his run. It was taken from him. And then, you know, Seth Rollins can come back and go, you didn't earn it. What are you talking about? You had your run and it was what it was. But coming out of the coming into 2022, into 2023, if you were the man, you'd be the man, but you're not. I am. I think 
for me, the world championship match at SummerSlam should be Seth Rollins versus Drew McIntyre. And Drew is just a bitter heel because he has every reason in the world to be a bitter heel. He's been walking around smiling, carrying a sword, wearing a kilt, doing all the events, doing every interview. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm working to it. I'm just gonna work hard and get my moment back. I'm gonna work hard and get my moment back. Okay, Drew, pat him on the head. Okay, Drew, good for you, Drew. Okay, maybe I gotta remind you. Maybe I gotta tell you guys who I am. That's where I see Drew McIntyre coming in. Uh, before we get to the emails, a couple of notes. First of all, awesome to see Champa back on Monday Night Raw. I thought that was uh, very cool. I love the that he got an ovation too. You never know, and he did, and that was awesome. Uh, match with the Miz, good match with the Miz. Hopefully, there's a plan for him. That's what I uh, always worry about, right? When these guys come back, that it's not like he's just back because he's healthy and he can come back. It's like, okay, but what are we what are we doing? Whether that's reforming the tag team with Johnny Gargano, whether that's whatever. I hope there's a plan because psycho, badass, I've got nothing to lose and I'm going to destroy you, Champa, is great, is excellent. Go back to Champa versus Gargano. Honestly, when I was having the conversation about best long-term storylines, for me, Champa versus Gargano deserved a mention, as did uh, Sean and Jericho in 2008. Um, but yeah, great to see Champa back. And also, if you want an amazing moment, and that tells you where we are as fans and the fact that, you know, as much as I besmirched the good name of us fans at the beginning of the show, we're actually in a wonderful place. Um, watch uh, Anthony Bowen's uh, segment from Rampage on Friday. Because he has this thing, you know, all the QTV crew is out there and a girl, she's like, uh, I think you're so into me. And he just says, uh, I'm gay. And the whole audience starts chanting, he's gay, he's gay. And it's this whole like supportive thing. It's like, it's what I talk about with like Effie going to GCW shows. Like there was a time in wrestling where the only thing that it, uh, 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 a character would be used for from the perspective of admitting that they were gay would be that homophobic heel thing. And to see, you know, how far fans have come and how how fully minded they are and supportive right of their favorites i think it's just really really cool really wonderful moment so check that out for sure uh i want to get to these emails because we have a lot coming off of uh of last week's show um so i'm going to start i guess with the most recent and get through as many as i can before i blow a gasket uh let's see here kyle robertson Hey, Sam, I have a suggestion. You should rank every Roman Reigns title defense over the last three years. That's a good suggestion at some point, maybe at the end of this run, maybe going into next year's WrestleMania or something. I'll do that. Shyamo, my man, which one do you prefer? Dream match for the sake of a dream match or dream match with a story heading into it? Story, every time. Story, 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 story. To just do a dream match for the sake of a dream match is lazy. Even if you don't remember the story, like nobody really remembers the Hogan Rock story. They just remember that it was a dream match. But at the time... There was a story behind it. It should always be a story. Story. Easy. Uh, John, uh, just wanted to know who you think would win if John Cena and MJF had a promo against each other. And do you think AEW Collision will suffer when it comes to WWE PLEs? Thanks. Have a blessed day. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I think that could hurt Collision. 
in terms of day up, you know, you could, there's DVR numbers, but yeah, I, I would think they won't feel it next week for Money in the Bank because it's not at three o'clock. But SummerSlam, yeah, I don't know because I would think most wrestling fans would watch SummerSlam instead of Collision. No disrespect to Collision, it's just a pay per view. Um, who do you think would win if John Cena and MJF had a promo battle against each other? John Cena. People don't. I mean, John Cena's just got years and years and years of experience. Like, there are no water. John Cena is James Cameron. There is no water too deep for John Cena to get into. And I would love to see it, by the way. It would be uh, epic as all promo battles have been because MJF would probably pull some stuff out of nowhere trying to screw up John Cena to have that moment. And if John Cena even smelled that, oh, he would toast him, toast him. Uh, Max, uh, Sam, I'm a somewhat new fan to wrestling. I love hearing that. Started watching AEW after Double or Nothing 2022. So you're only a year in, my friend. Welcome. I was wondering, how'd you book Punk's return differently? What feud would you put him in, and how long would you wait before putting him against MJF for the world title? Well, that's a good question. Um, it's weird that he brought out the world title on night one in the promo, but has never brought it out again. Um, you know, I would... Uh, whatever it was, I would have him come out week one with a promo just explaining what it is. You know, just, I mean, the promo that he cut week one was great. But I would, I don't know who it would be with, but I would try to put him in a story immediately. Like, even if it's with Jay White or something, I would I would give him something with some meat on the bone right away. I have to think about that more. Because I would give him something that wasn't match-based. Something with meat on the bone immediately. So it's like you have a reason week in, week out. Like, I, I think they need to start something quickly in terms of storytelling with punk. Uh, Sam loved your, Diaz, loved your episode uh, with, uh, oh, Matt Cardona and SDL, hearing your take on the biggest fantasy booking pet peeves. Yeah. Uh, he says, what the fuck is a United States champion? I remember you talking a few weeks ago about not sacrificing chances for money for the sake of love, so I can understand the financial reason behind wanting to keep so many championships around still, but I, I can't help but wonder if championships like the U.S. title North American title and dare I say even the IC title are losing their certain je ne sais quoi about them. Uh, it really seems like more weight is held on achievements such as money in the bank, Royal Rumble, and tournament winners. Yeah, but you need something you can defend, right? You there, you could do weight classes, but that doesn't really make any sense in professional wrestling. It says, what should I, as a viewer of the product, uh, care a lick about the North American or United States championship? Well, I think that the point is that the world championship would seemingly be made up of whatever, seven continents. So this guy is the best wrestler in the United States, but the guy above him is the best wrestler in the world. You could do silver medal, but that doesn't sound as good. The reason you have a United States champion is because second place champion is not something you can put on a billboard. That's why. Um, let's see. Kate or uh, Ryan says, uh, listen to your show every Monday, first thing while working. Appreciate it. The email segment is my favorite. Okay, so let's see if I end up getting roasted. Don't do it on purpose. If I smell that you're trying to get roasted on purpose, I'll just end the segment. I heard you recently say you didn't think Omega would go to WWE. I think the signs of the elite possibly making a move are really starting to pile up. 
Matt Jackson making sure he avoided surgery and additional contract time, not going ahead and re-signing now. Also seems like Collision was made to appease them more than Punk. If they don't enter a program with Punk by the end of the year, I suspect they're at WrestleMania 40. Ryan, uh, you know, I think it's still up in the air. CM Punk has been back in AEW for two weeks. We haven't really seen, we haven't seen the Elite at all since CM Punk came back. So so, so we don't really know. Um, I think what the Elite is not going to do is put themselves into a position where WWE knows that they want out of AEW. It's very clear that Cody Rhodes could have stayed in AEW. Cody Rhodes is in WWE because WWE wanted him in WWE and made him a great deal to go to WWE. If you think that the elite probably doesn't want to be in AEW, and I think that the elite probably doesn't want to be in AEW, then from a negotiation standpoint, WWE is going to come to him and go like, look, here's the offer, whatever, take it or leave it. And that's not where the elite wants to be. The elite have a great gig right now. The only reason that they would go to WWE is to be massive stars. And the only reason WWE would want to take them is because it would be a big get and a scoop up from AEW. If the elite want out and we can tell they want out, it's not nearly as big a get. So I think we're going to have to see over the next few months. Now, in terms of, I don't know, you like, this goes back to my how do you know, right? Matt Jackson making sure he avoided surgery and any additional contract time. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know what his contract looks like? How do you know if he needed surgery? How do you know any of that's true? I don't, so I don't see how you would. And not going ahead and re-signing now, again, let's get into negotiation. What's the smart thing? The smart thing is to have AEW think they might go to WWE and to have WWE think that they want to stay with AEW and to ride that out and to get that number up. That's how these things work, my friend. Uh, Eric says, uh, thanks for all the great fantasy booking and insights. Uh, you see me, by the way, fantasy booking right to Matt Cardona's face. I love that. He told me to go to Stanford. I get off on that. Um, he goes, uh, with the state of the bloodline being what it is, I wanted to pick your brain. When Solo was revealed as a member of the bloodline, it was stated that he was sent by the elders. It came across to me that there was an unspoken follow-up to that being to make sure things are going as the elders want them to go with you in charge. Is it possible that even with all that Roman has accomplished, that we could see the elders want to make a change and Roman replaced? If so, do you replace him with Solo J or someone else? Yes, Eric. Uh, I believe that is exactly where it's going. Um, I think that uh, Solo is put in charge, but not of the bloodline. I don't think we see Solo and the Usos team up against Roman. I think that that's why this breakup is happening separately. I think that that the Usos are out of the bloodline after this and are moving on to the next thing. And I think that Solo, Roman, and Paul Heyman will continue to tell the story. And it could be some version of that that leads to, after Roman loses the title, Solo turns on Roman. Roman goes away for a while. The elders view Solo as the next head of the table. Solo starts pursuing whoever the universal champion is. And eventually Roman Reigns comes back as a babyface to fight Solo. But I think that your scenario would 100% get us there with Solo as the heel with Paul Heyman, but not with the Usos. 
let's see. Nicholas Robert from France, my man. Uh, last week I emailed you saying Damian Priest should win Money in the Bank cash in on Balor. F forget about that. I already did forget about that. It's dumb. Things change. I want Logan Paul to win the briefcase. Yes, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I already talked about that on a totally different topic uh, about Jack Perry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I don't think he'd become a biggest star as long as he doesn't stop for good the Jungle Boy nickname. It should just be Jack Perry. I don't know. I don't think that that's the problem. You know, I don't. You know, I mean, yeah. You know, as we can all see now, Jungle Boy's a heel. Jack Perry is not that likable when he's talking into a microphone. But he's a great heel. So I think that's that's the thing. But he's young. Like, he's still, like, like I said about Zoe Stark. Like, let the, let the boy cook. Let him cook. Um, Leland, Sam, I'm a big fan of your podcast from South Africa. Nice. I enjoy your takes on WWE, blah, blah, blah. I find it to be entertaining and realistic, my man. With that being said, do you think that Jay should be the one to pin and end the Tribal Chiefs' long, undefeated run at Money in the Bank? No. No. I don't think Jay should pin Roman Reigns. Um, as I said before, I think Roman and Solo should get the victory. Jay should still come out looking triumphant. I do not think Jay should ever beat Roman Reigns, ever. Um, I don't think Jay should be the one to take the title from him. I don't think Roman should get pinned in a tag match. I don't think, no, nope. Um, Latoya, my lady, I was just wondering what your thoughts on having more NXT stars featured on the main roster like Carmelo Hayes, Braun Breaker, et cetera, for more cohesive storyline, storytelling and vice versa. That way, when people get the call from NXT to the main roster, they have the exposure and fans aren't uh, at a loss on who they are if they don't watch NXT weekly. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily for that. A lot of times in NXT, I think that when people go to the main roster, they should be kind of ready to tell the beginning of their story on the main roster. I don't think that they're running NXT. I think they're running NXT should be, you know, just getting their legs out from under, you know what I mean? Like like getting their sea legs ready. Figuring out who they are as a character. That's what I think NXT should be about. And then once they're on the main roster, it's time to start new. You could take elements from what you did in NXT, but it's time to start new. I don't think Zoe Stark, for example, benefits at all from being on screen and being part of the main roster and then finally getting there because you don't want the NXT version of them. You want this main roster version of them. So, yeah, I wouldn't put the NXT stars, for the most part, on main roster TV unless you're pushing towards a storyline on NXT, like bringing Carmella on SmackDown to push towards Corbin versus Carmella. Um, okay, this person says, Sam, what do you hate more, WrestleMania 27 or people emailing you fantasy booking for Randy Orton? Either one of those would just put me in a bad mood for a long time. Um, what do I hate more? <sighs> probably fantasy booking Randy Orton right now when we have no idea when he's coming back, but it's pro probably the Randy Orton thing to tell you the truth. <laughs> Jay Ross, uh, what's the hap, Sam? As you mentioned in the past episode, WCW is not really well known for their storylines. So true can be said about ECW. That's not true. I'm curious as to where and how you would rank the rivalries between Raven and Tommy Dreamer and Sabu and Taz. Both had long-term storytelling and rivalries and are still talked about with relevance to this day. I look forward to hopefully hearing a response. Yeah, no, I actually disagree. I think uh, ECW, uh, when they did it right, were really good at storytelling. The Raven and Tommy Dreamer story is incredible. You could make a movie out of it. Sabu and Taz is very good. 
uh, and built up to their first big pay-per-view grudge match. Uh, I think the Stevie Richards story going into Barely Legal uh, was great. Uh, I think the uh, Shane Douglas Pitbull number two saga was really, really good. Uh, yeah, no, there's a bunch of good ECW stories that I think would be in contention there. I, I, I love ECW stories. Uh, TJ, help me out with Ali. He's everything you'd want in a wrestler, ability, charisma. However, for some reason, I don't react whenever I see him. I feel like I should love the guy. Is this a common opinion? If so, what's missing? What's missing, also, can you tell your friends at Vice to do an episode on Mike Awesome? Uh, that might have already happened, meaning that conversation might have already happened. Um, I think that the thing with Ali is that the who is he isn't answered enough. I that whenever Ali is shaping into a character, I get excited because I feel the same way that you do about Ali. Like I loved that's why I said on a podcast I loved the power of positive thinking. Ali, that guy. I was like, okay, now he's got a character. Like now there's a there's a who is this guy is answered, and now we can enjoy all those other qualities that you discussed. Um, but then that went away, and now he's in NXT. So I th yeah, I, I think for me. The missing part with Ali is just the who is he. And that's not really up to him necessarily. He's tried, right? He does his own promos on Instagram half the time. But that is something that has to be done on the television show. That's not up to him. Um, Shamo, who do you think is the most important member of the NWO? Uh, I think it's Kevin Nash. No, it's Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is most important. Um Wrestling Minute, which product is better in your opinion? The first era of SmackDown in 2002 to 2007 or Black and Gold NXT 2014 to 2021? Um, well, I wouldn't give Black and Gold NXT to 2021. Uh, I would give it like TakeOver era NXT is what I would call it, right? So like from TakeOver Brooklyn and the buildup to TakeOver Brooklyn up until... The Undisputed Era. That's probably my personal favorite. First Era of SmackDown might be better in terms of a rewatch, but my personal favorite is that NXT era. It was just, it, because the whole world felt like anything could happen. So much potential. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, all right, I'm gonna start skipping some. Oh my God. Doc wrote this long email I'm not reading. Uh, write something shorter next week, buddy. Um, okay, I like the way this one started. This is Tay from the Bay. I like that. Longtime listener of Not Sam since Katie Linendahl. Cool! Also, I'm just as old as WrestleMania, just like you, so wrestling has been on my... Okay, all right. I don't need the biography. I only missed one. Big deal! So I have a quick two-part question for you. Remember the night Enzo Amori snuck in the building as Survivor Series pay-per-view? Yes. How come you never covered that the following week on your podcast? Bro, I don't remember. We... I have no idea. That was years ago. I, I could tell you, I have no answer to that question. I remember it. I was there when it happened. I have no idea why I didn't cover that. Maybe since I was there, I pre-recorded I have no idea. No clue. Second question is, where did you get what's the haps from? I made it up. Ice Cube, everybody, they all stole it from me. Uh, let's see. I'm skipping a bunch. Uh, Dean says, piggybacking off last week's topic, what do you think of the HBK career versus streak storyline? 
and you view the entire Taker Triple H four Mania matches as one storyline. Yeah, I kind of view it as one long. It's its own entity, I think. Simon just wrote me an email saying LA Knight wins U.S. championship. Cool. Good for LA Knight. Um, Ali says, I'm a big fan of your podcast. This is the last email. I'm, I'm going crazy. Uh, my question is, which pay-per-view and match type? I'm a big... I'm a big fan of the podcast and your bookings on The Ultimate Show. Thank you. New Ultimate Show for Money in the Bank, by the way. My question is, which pay-per-view and match type to book? I shouldn't have made this the last email. My question is, which pay-per-view and match type to book? God bless you, Ali. I'm, I appreciate you. I'm sure that was a mistake. There's so many emails I didn't read. All right. I'm going to read this one since that was like, what do you... This one uh, is from Brad. This is more of an observation than a question. I noticed that CM Punk is a heel when he shaves his head. And when he's a face, he grows his hair out. The moment I see him came down the entrance ramp at Collision, I was like, yes, because heel punk is the best punk. I don't think that's true. I don't think he's thinking that much about it. I think he just changes his hairstyle. I think that's wild speculation. All right, I'm out of here, dude. I can't keep reading emails. It's going to drive me crazy. Can you see that I've already changed? I just did like an hour by myself just talking about wrestling and it was great and then I'm reading these emails and like you guys have like beaten me up you destroyed me you kicked me while I'm down enjoy this week of wrestling dude it's gonna be great we'll see you next week don't forget if you need more uh, content patreon.com slash not sam wrestling don't forget to subscribe to the youtube channel youtube.com slash not sam wrestling leave uh if you're watching on youtube subscribe like comment if you're listening on apple rate review if you're listening on spotify rate whatever you can interact with interact with if you can listen on all three listen on all three and just touch things touch everything we'll see you again soon goodbye